If you'd stand with me, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 14, and we'll be reading verses 6 through 14. The Bible says that, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephnah the Kenzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephna, Hebron for inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenzite, unto this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, if you've been in church long enough, you're familiar with the names of Joshua and Caleb. Many of you know the story. Moses, he sends out 12 men to spy out the land of Canaan. Ten, ten of those men come back with a bad report, and only two come back with a good report, and those two men were Joshua and Caleb. Well, in our text tonight, Joshua chapter 14, uh, Joshua has now stepped into the leadership position. God has transferred leadership from Moses to Joshua, and Caleb comes to Joshua and asks him to give him his mountain, the mountain that Moses said he would give him. You see, God promised a parcel of land to Caleb, so Caleb tells Joshua to give him his mountain, the mountain that God had promised him. You know, we all have mountains in our lives, things that we're facing. Some of you have a mountain in your health. Perhaps there's a mountain in your family, a mountain in your marriage, a mountain with your children or your grandkids. Maybe you have a mountain with your finances. But when we talk about mountains, as we look at the text tonight, mountains have to do with the will of God. Now, when I think about it in the context of your life and my life, God has given us a mountain. God gives mountains for every one of us. And God wants you to embrace the mountain that he has for you. So my desire for you this evening is I want to encourage you and that you would say to God, Lord, give me my mountain. And that God would renew your strength and that you would not just settle for a hill, but go and get that mountain. So tonight, the title of my message is Don't Settle for a Hill. But go and get that mountain. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. I pray that we would set aside the outside distractions and allow your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. Please be with our pastor and use him as he's preaching very soon. And just bless your word and do work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been almost seven years that my family and I sold our home and we loaded up our belongings 
and drove 2,300 miles from Long Beach, California to Anderson, South Carolina. Now, how many have had the privilege, or should I say the experience, of driving across the country? This was kind of a bucket list item for me. I always wanted to drive from coast to coast. But because my wife, she was uh, traumatized by her dad uh, doing long trips, I didn't want to drive hard and just pull over to, you know, put gas and, and try to get here in two days. So we decided to make a, make, a, make a trip out of it, you know, take our time, make some memories, see places, see a couple people. We left on a Monday. We didn't get here until Friday. Um, it was a great experience, but honestly, it was not something that, that I intended on doing again. I just wanted to check it off my bucket list. But last year, unexpectedly, we had to do it once more. Only this time it was from Tucson, Arizona to South Carolina where we picked up my niece, Michaela. For those of you that don't know, uh, my wife and I are we're temporary guardianship. We're fostering my niece. Uh, we picked her up when she was only three days old in Tucson. And when we tried to fly back, we realized that the airline would not let Michaela go on the plane unless she had a written notice from the doctor. And so when we tried to get that notice, the doctor said that he would not sign on it unless uh, we brought her back in seven days. So she, the, the doctor wanted Michaela to be 10 days old. And we couldn't sit around and wait in Tucson, Arizona for seven days. So my wife and I decided to rent a car and we drove across the country again. And as I drove across the nation, we drove through some places in the middle of nowhere where I thought, wow, who would want to live here? I imagine back in history, as people were traveling from the east towards the west to explore uh, the western frontier, many of them wanting to come to places like California to find gold, not fool's gold, Brother Doug, but real gold. And because of the, the journey and how long it was, many of them just settled. They must have said, man, this is as far as we're going to go. We're just going to settle here. And so these settlers... They settled in places like the hot deserts of Phoenix, Arizona. Now, did you know that there have been more than 50 calendar days where in Phoenix, Arizona, the temperatures hit 110 degrees? In fact, we're in October, and this weekend, they're expected to have triple digits this weekend. No thank you. Now, California, on the other hand, San Diego, California, has some of the best consistent weather in all the country. The average temperatures during the summer months are around 80 degrees, and during the winter, the average temperatures are between 60 and 70 degrees. If these settlers would have not given up, if they would have pressed on a little further, they would have made it to the beautiful coasts of California. And just like these settlers, there's a lot of Christians today that have just given up, and they've just settled. Perhaps they think, well, this is as good as it's going to get. It's not going to get any better than this. No. God does not want you to settle. God has so much more for you than for you just to settle. God is still moving in the power of his Holy Spirit, and God is not finished with you. God has a mountain for you, and he wants you to climb that mountain. So do not settle for anything less than God's will for your life. There are far too many Christians today that have this attitude of survival. I was trying to encourage someone in the Lord, and I remember, I remember this person telling me, well, they were just glad they were going to heaven. A true statement. We should be glad that we're on our way to heaven. But in the context of our conversation, they were more satisfied with just being settled to live a defeated life. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and that you might have it more abundantly. 
And so the abundant Christian life is not about, it's, it's about thriving. It's not just about surviving. So wherever, wherever you are in life, do not settle. Now the name Caleb in Hebrew literally means dog. You see, for those of you that grew up or came from the streets, you think dog originated from your neighborhood. What's up, dog? Yo, dog. No, there is no street gang that can take credit for coining the street name dog. It was not the Crip Gang in Compton, California. It wasn't the Bloods in Brooklyn, New York. It was not the Latin Kings on the street of Chicago. And it wasn't the Homeland Park Posse in Anderson. Is, there, is that a real gang? No, dog originated with Caleb. You with me, dog? All right. I hope I didn't lose any of you country folk on that illustration. But I want you to think about the characteristics of a dog. Dogs are tenacious creatures. They do not let up. How many of you seen videos on social media where the dog owner comes home and finds a piece of furniture like the sofa ripped up to shreds? Or they put up the dog in, in the bathroom or in a closet or in a bedroom only to come and find the door look like it went through a wood chipper? <laughs> I myself have a golden doodle. And I don't know if it's just female dogs that do this, but my dog takes a long time to go potty. <laughs> I'll tell Lucas, Lucas, take the dog to go potty, and, and I'll start watching a baseball game, and into the third inning, I hear, go potty, go potty, go potty. <laughs> and then I'll get impatient, and I'll swing the door open in a very aggressive manner, and then the dog will look at me, and then she'll, she'll go potty. <laughs> but not too long ago, my kids, they... They, they let the dog out to go potty, and they kind of forgot about her. And then they went back 15 minutes later, and she had dug a ginormous hole in the backyard. Dogs are tenacious. Any of you while passing out open house flyers come across a chihuahua? Talk about a tenacious breed. You know that chihuahua. You'll knock on the door, and the dog will start yapping, and you'll, get, you'll finish the street and come back, come back this way, and that dog is still barking its head off. Now... I don't know if all dogs go to heaven. I know golden doodles will go to heaven and pet bulls because they suffer, they suffer severe persecution here. But it's not going to be chihuahuas. Those dogs are demon-possessed. But dogs are loyal. Dogs are faithful. Dogs are devoted to their masters and to their families. Perhaps you heard the story last year in 2022 in Georgia somewhere about the sheepdog. This sheepdog was defending its herd of sheep, and it, and it killed eight coyotes by itself. It killed four on the property, and then they couldn't find the dog, and they, they traced the drops of blood and just followed the trail of blood all the way into the coyotes' territory where they found four more dead coyote. Talk about a devoted dog. Now, the name Caleb is symbolic. It's a symbolic name for devotion to God. He was rightly called dog. Caleb's faith was tenacious. He never gave up on God. A fitting name, Caleb. So what was it about Caleb that gave him this doggish-like doggish faith? If you're going to get your mountain, let's learn from Caleb tonight. And I want to focus on three evidences, three evidences of Caleb that gave him a doggish-like faith. Number one, evidence number one, Caleb wholly followed the Lord. Caleb wholly followed the Lord. It is mentioned six times in Scripture that Caleb Holy, follow the Lord. We see it three times in this passage of Scripture. In verse 8, it says, Nevertheless, my brethren, that we went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 9, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land 
wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And then in verse 9, oh, I'm sorry, drop down to verse 14. Uh, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenzite, unto this day, because he hath wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Well, if you could hold your place right there, flip a book back to Deuteronomy chapter 1, and look at verse 36. The Bible says, Save Caleb, the son of Jephna, he shall see it. And to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. And then flip a couple pages to your left and go to Numbers 32. And look at verse 12. It says, Save Caleb, the son of Jephna the Kenzite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And then lastly, Numbers 14. And look at verse 24. It says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath, full, and hath followed me fully, in other words, wholly followed, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. You see, you cannot possess the mountain that God has for you if you do not, if you do not wholly follow the Lord. Uh, I have lived in the South long enough to say, God wants all y'all. <laughs> God does not want some of you. God will not be content if you give him 80% and you give 20% to the devil or the world God will not have that. He wants all of you. The word holy is the idea of confirmation and consecration. Confirmation and consecration. It reminds me of the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Then that second verse, though none, though none go with me, yet I will follow. And then the last verse, the world behind me, the cross before me. That song is all about confirmation and consecration. That is to wholly follow the Lord. Let me say it like this. You cannot wholly be committed to the Lord without being holy before the Lord. And let me say that again, and then I'll spell it out for you. You cannot be wholly committed to the Lord, W-H-O-L-L-Y, without living holy before the Lord, H-O-L-Y. You see, holiness is to be set apart. And how can you have one foot in the world and one foot for God's kingdom if you are not wholly committed? To wholly follow the Lord is a day-by-day -day decision. Paul says it best. He says, I die daily. He says in Galatians 2.20, I am cru crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live I, live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what it means to wholly follow the Lord. So Caleb wholly followed the Lord. The second evidence that I see in Caleb is that Caleb trusted in God's timing. Caleb trusted in God's timing. Caleb was 40 years old when the promise was, was, was first told of him. And now here he is at 85 years old, about to receive the promise. It took 45 years for Caleb to receive the promise of God. What a testimony of waiting on God's timing. He trusted in God's timing. Waiting on God's timing is not an easy thing. Perhaps you're like me. Many times I get impatient. Brother Corey, he talked about the things that make him impatient. But I don't like waiting on God's timing. I struggle with that. Many times I have the tendency to run out in front of him, and I try to do things in my own power and in my own strength and in my own wisdom. And what happens? I get myself in a worse situation had I just waited on God's timing. But my flesh hates to wait. My wife's not here right now, so I'll say I hate waiting on my wife. 
Tonight I said, we're leaving in 30 minutes. We're leaving in 15 minutes. We're leaving in 10 minutes. Woman, let's leave now. <laughs> but I should have got the hint when I, the day I married her, right? Because what was I doing the day I married her? Was waiting for her to come down the aisle. <laughs> you can go ahead and tell her that I said that. That'll provoke her into love and good work so she can listen to the sermon on the podcast. Some other things I hate waiting for. I hate waiting for my ice cream to get soft enough so I don't bend my spoon trying to put it in a bowl. <laughs> Not too long ago, my wife introduced me to an ice cream scooper. That's a novelty for me. <laughs> if any of you ever go to California, don't waste hundreds of dollars going to an amusement park where you pay all this money just to wait in line. Let me give you a life hack. Go to the DMV in California. Visit the DMV. Free admission. Get a ticket for free and wait for them to call your name. You want to see Disney characters in the California Department of Motor Vehicles? You will find them there. <laughs> there's a Goofy, there's some Dopies, and there's a lot of Grumpies and Wicked Witches working behind the counter. <laughs> you'll find some men that identify as Little Mermaids, and you'll find some butch women that are more masculine than Gaston. <laughs> Here's another thing I hate waiting for. I hate, and I know this will surprise you, but I hate having to wait 274 days for the 4th of July. <laughs> and then when that day comes, I have to wait for it to get dark. But I know that my spirit needs to wait on the Lord. The Bible says that God has made all things beautiful in his time. You see, when we cannot see the hand of God, rest assured that God is moving behind the scenes. God sees and knows everything. God knows how it's all going to work out in the end. He sees the whole picture. God is never early. God is never late. God is always on time. And Caleb trusted in God's timing. And did you know that when you and I decide to wait on the Lord, we are strengthened in the Lord? That's right. When you and I decide to wait on the Lord, we are strengthened in the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. But where does it say in the text that Caleb got stronger while he waited on the Lord? I'm glad you asked that question. If you go back to Joshua 14, read verse 10 and 11 with me. It says, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. That's 85. As yet I am strong as... As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. You see, Caleb was as strong at 85 years old as when he was in his 40s. Wow, that's what I want. You see, vitality is not found in a pill or in some magic shake or in some fancy juicer or in a gym membership. I don't need Planet Fitness or GNC or balance of nature, spiritual vitality is found in waiting on the Lord. Amen. Notice how Caleb says in verse 10 that the Lord kept him alive. He said the Lord kept him alive all these years. He understood that God was not finished with him, that God had a purpose for him, and that God had kept him alive for a reason. You know, some of you can testify that you should not be here today. Some accident, some situation in the past, maybe something in your health, our car just swerved out of, out of the way, a bullet zoomed past your head. God has kept you alive for a purpose. Amen. 
You see, you're not just here by accident. God has a mountain for you. Trust in God's timing and go and get that mountain. The third evidence I see in Caleb is Caleb had a heart of devotion. Caleb had a heart of devotion. If you see verse 7, at the end of verse 7, it says, um, well, we'll read the whole verse. It says, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. You see, if you have heartily followed the Lord, you cut yourself short of the mountain that God has for you. Back in Numbers chapter 13, the good report that, brought, that Caleb brought to Moses was not because he just thought it was a good idea. Caleb and his war general, Joshua, did not get together and devise some kind of plan, some kind of war strategy to take the land. No, Caleb said it was in his heart. The good report that Caleb brought back after spying out the land was not based on intel he collected. He said, we can take the land because it was in my heart. Now, why was it in his heart? Two things. First one, Caleb believed what God had said. I got this uh, highlighted in, in this passage right here. In, in verse 6, you'll see there it says, the Lord said. And then in verse 10, the Lord spake this word. And then in verse 12, now therefore give me this mountain, wherefore the Lord spake in that day. And at the end of verse 12 again, it says, as the Lord said. You see, Caleb believed what God has said. Do you believe what God has said? Do you really believe God? Do you believe his word is true? Are we really devoted to what God has said? Is God's word just in your head or is it in your heart? You know, old-time preachers used to say there are about 12 inches uh, between heaven and hell. In other words, there's 12 inches between your heart and your head. So do you just know about Jesus or do you know Jesus in your heart? I pray that you're applying tonight's message in your heart and not just in your head. You know, I had a handful of people tell me, you ready to preach? You ready to preach? Well, let me ask you, were you ready to listen when you got here? Did it matter who was up here to preach? Were you disappointed when you found out pastor was out of town? Are you here tonight just to collect information, or do you want transformation? When the Lord spoke, Caleb believed it, not just in his head, but in his heart. He had a heart of devotion because he believed what God had said. Secondly, Caleb had a heart of devotion because he had seen God's faithfulness. Caleb had a heart of devotion because he had seen the faithfulness of God. You don't believe Caleb was tempted during those 40 years as he wandered in the desert with all those that did not have faith? You don't believe he was tempted to question God? I imagine that when he was tempted, he remembered the 10 plagues of Egypt. I imagine when he thought about quitting, he remembered the parting of the Red Sea. I imagine when he hungered, he remembered manna coming down from heaven. I imagine when he was thirsty, he remembered rushing water coming out of the rock in the middle of the desert. I imagine when he felt lost, he remembered the pillar of cloud guiding them by day and the pillar of fire guiding them by night. I imagine when he, when he feared, he remembered the walls of Jericho came crumbling down. You see, Caleb knew that his God was faithful then and that his God would be faithful now. And when you are facing an unexpected trial in your life, something big in your life, do yourself a favor. Go back and rehearse the faithfulness of God. Even when you and I are not faithful, God remains faithful. He is faithful and true, for he cannot deny who he is. 
I want to have a faith like Caleb, a doggish-like faith that never gives up on the promises of God. I do not want to settle for a hill. I want the mountain that the Lord has given me. So I guess we're not going to find ourselves in a hostage situation tonight. <laughs> I thank you for your good attention. I want to finish by asking you these questions that I really want you to think about. How committed are you to the Lord? Are you wholly committed or just partially? Are you committed to possess that which God has promised you? He has a mountain waiting for you. Have you settled? Are you settling in your Christian life? Are you living the abundant Christian life or are you just surviving? You're not thriving. Are you trusting in God's timing or are you running out in front of God? And how's your heart tonight? Do you have a heart of devotion for the Lord? And if you're going through something big in your life, are you rehearsing the faithfulness of God? Lord, give us a faith like Caleb and let us not settle for a hill, but go and get our mountain.